Welcome to Talent First. This episode of Talent First is a little different in terms of my guest. Bandona Kaur is a global ambassador for women in cybersecurity, a Microsoft intern, and a woman who is passionate about AI and the future of security, with a series of certifications under her belt. And she's 15. You often read on LinkedIn and in articles about the lack of talent, the lack of young people, and of course, the lack of diversity and security, with musings and assumptions as to why this might be. So when Bandona contacted me to ask me to come on this podcast, I jumped at the chance. Not only because she's a brilliant young woman, but because it gave me a chance to actually ask questions of a person who is the future of this industry and who represents the diversity we need. She's also quite lovely. It was a real pleasure speaking to Bandana about the future of cybersecurity, barriers young people face, and also the potential opportunities and challenges of artificial intelligence in this space. As ever, hope you enjoy. Bandana, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very, very excited to speak to you. You are an inspiration. And also because there are so many conversations, especially on LinkedIn at the moment, about young people in cybersecurity and attracting young people to this industry. And here you are. You are 15 years old. You are already taking qualifications in cybersecurity um, that, you know, a lot of adults are you know, struggling to take and it's a, you know, it's just fantastic to speak to you. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here, Michelle. So uh, I always like to start with um, guests introducing themselves. So like I say, there's a lot of talk about the future of this industry on different forms of lack of diversity, lack of candidates coming into the market, the difficulties of attracting young people into cybersecurity. So um, let's just start with you introducing yourself and, and telling us all how you got into this. Okay, so uh, hi, I'm Vandana. I'm an almost 16-year-old cybersecurity enthusiast and an FRT intern at Microsoft, where I'm learning about cloud computing, Microsoft Azure security technologies, and artificial intelligence using Azure. I'm really fascinated by computer vision models, and I'm going to make a project using these technologies for my final project for the internship. My whole journey started off with competitive programming in Python when I was 14, and I immediately found myself hooked, so I joined the Harvard X CS50P course. And this was when my school was online. This was 2020. And I was the type of student who would attend extra classes from bed. And I remember in the morning, I had this class 20 minutes before the school started. That class was just for the attendance. So to have 20 extra minutes of sleep, I made a voice automated Zoom bot that joined that class for me while I was asleep. Yeah, I will, and that was my first project. I'm the type of student who would spend the entire lunch break and hours after school trying to automate my class rather than spending three seconds clicking on the link. And then a couple months later, I joined Instagram. So I played, out, played about with some very innocent Instagram automation. Nothing too serious, just automatically giving multiple comments on posts and automating simple replies to DMs. But that didn't really end well because Instagram banned five of my accounts. But ultimately, I did figure out a way to automate social media without getting banned. Soon, I gave the hacker rank certification exams for Python and SQL and passed those with flying colors. I participated in many contests and events on competitive programming platforms. I absolutely love computer programming, but competitive programming didn't really click for me. So then my venture in cybersecurity began. 
I discovered the art of open source intelligence and digital forensics. And I found it so fascinating because I myself was on Instagram and I found it so fascinating how someone could be re how someone could be geolocated by a simple picture of them. My first course that I took in the field of digital forensics was the certified hacker and forensic investigator course on cybery. And a couple of days later, I couldn't get myself off try hack me and challenges. Then I discovered such a passionate part of me that I didn't even know existed. Recently, I finished my IAC2 certified in cybersecurity training, along with a course from the Cisco Networking Academy. Now I'm recognized as a global ambassador for women in technology, a member of the Google Women Tech Makers. And currently I'm juggling school, my Microsoft internship, and studying for the IAC2 CC exam while trying to explore penetration testing through TriHackMe. But the interesting fact is I don't find a single part of it stressful because I've realized that this is something I'm absolutely head over heels for. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And as for the future, I'm interested in cybersecurity as well as artificial intelligence. So I'll go for a profession that allows me to pursue both my interests. So what is the ultimate kind of dream for you? So obviously, like you say, this is your your passion. This is your forever career. So ultimately, what would you like to do? Ultimately, I would like to start my own business. I would love to inspire people like me. I would like to inspire people who feel lost in their professional lives, who feel hopeless to pursue cybersecurity or AI or something like that. What do you think, and these are all bonus questions, what do you think puts especially young women off coming into this career? Is this because there are obviously, I, I still think there are barriers for, for young women coming into cybersecurity, but I'm speaking from a kind of UK, US perspective. So from your perspective, what are the barriers do you think that are kind of stopping young women pursuing cybersecurity as a career? I feel like one of the barriers, not a major barrier, but one of the barriers would be the inaccurate portrayal that's there in movies and stuff. More, I've seen more male hackers than I've seen female hackers. And when, when I actually encountered a female hacker in a TV series on Netflix, I was so, I was so just astounded by her. I found her so amazing and I really admired her. And the fact is she was a fictional character. Later when I joined LinkedIn, I found people that were better than her, people who were more talented and skilled and women who were so inspiring. So then they became my adults. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've said this on every podcast that there's such a fantastic network of supportive women in this industry out there who are willing to give their time and their, their wisdom. And I think that's what needs to be done is people need to get out there and find their role models and their mentors and connect with them and have those conversations. I also agree with you about the kind of symbolism and the imagery when it comes to cybersecurity. It's still very masculine. Most of the pictures that you'll see on LinkedIn, like you say, are of that kind of old, tired, male hacker in a hoodie. You know, everything's blue or red, very masculine colours. That's starting to change. But I, I think, you know, and if you look at a lot of CISO posts, it's, it's a lot of men that are responding and very few women. So I think a lot of those things need to change as well. So that kind of moves me on to my first main question, which is we've talked about potential barriers for young women coming into cybersecurity and, and why that might stop them entering the profession. From your perspective, what would be your advice on attracting more young people um, into this uh, industry? Yeah, so one thing I don't often hear people talking about is that the relationship between teenagers and cybersecurity is somewhat symbiotic. 
we've all heard of the ways how getting young minds into cyber security will really benefit the digital landscape the ways that teenagers are going to benefit cyber security but how about the ways that cyber security can benefit teenagers that's something we really need to talk about to actually attract young people so one problem that i feel most teens encounter these days that i myself went through was the dilemma of feeling lost in their professional lives and at some point in time this little de dilemma develops into a void which most people try to fulfill by entering this vicious cycle of endless social media scrolling guilt trips and self disappointment and that particular teenage audience is a lot of dormant potential that should be subjected to exposure in this field and one way to do that is by highlighting the aesthetics behind every niche in security through social media like i've seen a lot of instagram reels and youtube videos which are which are a little something like the lawyer aesthetic and pov you're a lawyer and then they show aesthetically pleasing images and songs related to that i mean it was so attractive and so convincing it made me want to be a lawyer once i've seen that trend for software engineers doctors teachers scientists and one very vague hacker I wonder if we hop on to that for say open source intelligence digital forensics cryptography every little niche in cybersecurity that's so aesthetically attractive we might as well be able to attract a teenage audience and popularizing the different paths that they can take in cybersecurity not just hacking with the help of social media platforms particularly those where teenagers are active like instagram will really help attract teenagers into this field so i feel like instead of playing blame games with schools and other academic institutions i feel like our focus should be on highlighting the ways that cybersecurity benefits young people as opposed to the other way around and like i said the inaccurate portrayal that's a huge problem immediately when someone thinks of cybersecurity this insanely cliche picture of a guy sitting in a cafe in a hoodie comes to mind and it's just absurd if you can hack in a hoodie then you can do it in a ball gown too and i feel like that's an issue there's such an inaccurate portrayal of cybersecurity professionals it's like you need to be a certain personality type like an introvert or an intj to be a professional in this field i really believe that movies and tv shows play such a huge role in shaping young minds and if cybersecurity is always going to be portrayed as this geeky and complex hobby then teenagers are not going to want to start in this field i remember when i first started cybersecurity i really admired that uh, hacker girl alicia from salvation the netflix series so cybersecurity should be portrayed for the fun and the diverse field that it actually is like for me the joy of listening to music and hacking into try hackney machines it's really indescribable so to bridge the gap between teenagers and cybersecurity we need to highlight how this field resonates with them and how it's going to ignite their own passions too i think that's fantastic this idea of using social media um which like you say is a platform that look i'm going to say the majority of teenagers use in some form every single day actually using that to encourage young people into the profession i think is is fantastic and like you say, make it a bit more glamorous and a bit more kind of sexy as opposed to just like you say sitting in a dark room i also think what you just said about if you can hack in a hoodie you can hack in a ball gown i think you can have that made into a t-shirt <laughs> and you can sell that i think that's <laughs> that's brilliant so do you think then that teenagers you know or, or young people don't understand the range of cybersecurity roles that are available to them yeah yeah of course in movies too it's portrayed like only hackers exist only hackers good and bad hackers no digital forensics no malware anal analysis no cryptography no nothing just hackers that's why teenagers are so hesitant because hacking is so vague in itself that 
it's hard to find resources to learn. Have you had anybody come into your school or have you heard of anybody from uh, the cybersecurity profession actually or, you know, banks or anybody that uses um, cybersecurity as part of their industry? Have you heard of them coming into schools and actually doing talks or introducing what cybersecurity is and how it can be used in different industries? No, not in my school, unfortunately. Um, so I am planning to do that for my school. I'm going to approach my principal and I want to do an open source intelligence workshop. I want to show teenagers how how you can be tracked down by just a simple picture. I want to show them so yeah. they can be more safe online. Because I agree with you as well that it can't just be, I mean, I don't know what the school system is like there, but, you know, here uh, in the UK, schools are, you know, struggling with funding and staffing. And so asking them to suddenly put on cybersecurity courses or invite guest speakers in that they have to pay for or employ teachers to teach security or coding or whatever it is, if they don't already have that, is is really difficult for schools and it puts a lot of pressure on them. So I agree with you that, you know, something else has to be done. And I think I said this to a, another podcast guest, actually, that it takes a village, I think. You know, I know it's a cliche, but it takes a, a, a village to introduce people into this industry and keep them there as well. So it's not just down to schools, not just down to universities or industry. You know, I think everybody has to work together. So I completely agree with you there. Um so let's move on to the point about cyber safety and teenagers. So I have a teenager myself, so she's a year younger than you and she has a phone. She uses some social media uh, and obviously we've taught her, especially with what I do for a living, uh, how to stay safe. And we have parental control, but obviously it's still a huge concern to me. So what would you say are the most concerning aspects of teenagers and cybersecurity and what is your advice around that? Yeah, so one of the reasons that teenagers are the most targeted in cyber attacks is that even though they're aware of phishing and cyberbullying and social engineering, but they don't believe that it can happen to them too. Teenagers are known to be the most active group on social media, like you said, like on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and they often share their personal information and even images on social media without fully understanding the potential consequences that it might have. I remember a couple months ago, I saw this account uh, on Instagram of a little girl, barely six or seven years old. And there were pictures of the girl that that should not have been there on a public Instagram account for someone of that age. And it was no surprise that the account was actually managed by her elder sister, who was also a minor. And I feel like that's a really big issue because they did not understand that it's not safe for such a young person to have her own account on Instagram. They started receiving me messages from apparently modeling agencies that wanted money to sell the girl's pictures as a model. Luckily, the girl's mom saw the account and I think it's deleted now. And this is how online predators manipulate little girls. It's not as simple as refusing to take candy from a stranger anymore. It's an actual predator, not even an adult necessarily, but anyone preying on someone's innocent desires, whether it's the mere thrill of making a friend online or getting into a relationship online or, desire, or the desire to become a model. And the victim, who's usually a child or a teenager, is is needed to resist her urge for whatever the criminal is offering. The modern version of these predators involves a young kid and someone who's posing to have everything the child has ever dreamed of. And cyber attacks like this are going to get more and more sophisticated with the advancements in AI, because generally there are some definite indicators that the person who's messaging is has bad intentions. 
But as predators start to leverage the natural language capabilities of AI to portray themselves in a more psychologically tempting way, the need for true actionable awareness is going to increase a lot. And I, and I believe the most effective way to increase awareness among teenagers would be to use reverse psychology. Rather than just passively spreading don't share pictures publicly or don't accept strangers' message requests, we should actually simulate these consequences and emphasize how common it is to become a victim to these things. Like I said, I want to do um, a workshop at my school to highlight that if you post a really revealing picture on Instagram, what are the consequences of that? So what, what more could social media sites, I mean, I know it's counterintuitive for them because they want people on their sites, they want that traffic and so on. But do you think that they like, you know, TikTok and so on could be doing more to protect children? I feel like there isn't really a way to verify that the person, whether the person creating an account is actually a minor. Because, because see, like I said, that six, seven year old's account was managed by her 13 year old sister. So, of course, she lied about her age. That's that's the thing, right? The authentication about age, that that whole system is kind of crooked in, about in Instagram. You just have to enter your birthday. So I feel like there should be something else for that. And could parents do more rather than just put parent? Because, you know, people say, well, don't just let them on these sites. But it's not always that easy if, yeah. you know, all of their friends have it. And then, it's you know, it's not. And a lot of parents don't, won't, well, not a lot of parents, but some parents won't understand what these sites are like and the kind of information that you can access on there as well. So I guess there are two questions there. What more can parents do and what more can the industry do to, to um, educate parents? Yeah, like you said, I really agree with what you said. Parents can't just stop social media. And I feel like social media exposure is pretty important for teenagers. Like myself, before I entered social media, I couldn't even speak properly. And, you know, I, I have gained a lot of maturity through social media and through bad experiences on social media. So I feel like one thing parents can do is, again, reverse psychology. Just show your kids what it's like to be stuck in a, um, in a cyber attack or in a phishing attack or in social engineering. Show them instead of just telling them, don't do this, don't do that. Because a lot of the times teenagers start to feel suffocated and that's why they start to hide things from their parents. And you mentioned AI in your your um, answer previously. So if we think about deepfake technology as well, what do you think is going to be the future with, um, you know, malicious actors using deepfake? Um, just imagine like the two of us, the two of us sitting here. I have not met you. You have not met me. Imagine if someone else was posing as you using deepfake. I wouldn't know, right? That person would be gathering all my information, looking at my face. That person could ask me for my pictures. That person could do anything, perform any type of attack. And they would have, you know, full full permission to do it. It's it's um terrifying, actually, the whole thing. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot on um, you know, different forums about deepfake technology being used to um create kind of voice recordings. And then you have who you think is your son or daughter phoning you to say, I'm in trouble, I need money and so on. And so the advice that I've been giving out is to have a family password and to make it a little bit naughty or a little bit cheeky so that nobody could possibly ever guess what this password is. And so if you get a call from someone who says, you know, mummy, I'm in trouble, I need some money, I know that I can say, okay, what's the password? And if that doesn't, you know, they don't know it, then it's, it's phone straight down. But again, you know, how many people know about this? How many people would know what to do? 
how many people are being duped. And like at the moment, these cases are probably, you know, few and far between. But I mean, do you think that kind of thing is going to get more progressive, more sophisticated? Yeah, I feel like the password thing is really clever. But again, how many people can you keep passwords with? Not only your immediate family, there's your relatives too that can be deep faked. Right. So how many people can you keep passwords with? I feel like the best way would be to just wait, just wait and approach the person in offline if possible. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's just very scary. I need to just stop reading things. <laughs> so let's let's shift that conversation then to we'll continue talking about AI. But uh, and I know it's your absolute passion. Um, but what I would like to talk about to make me feel a little bit better as well is the positive um, aspects of AI uh, as opposed to all the scary stuff. So, so talk a bit about, you know, what you see are the, the positive elements of, um, of AI in all its guises. So this cybersecurity landscape is in the initial stage of evolution right now from operate, operating largely on human efforts and human based inputs towards a full scale integration of AI in security operations. And this shift is going to redefine the way that we perceive and respond to cyber threats. I remember reading somewhere that AI will revolutionize the world the same way the printing press did. And that's something I really agree with. Because, and again, there are two sides to every coin. AI is going to consume a lot of jobs, but it's going to create new ones as well, because the AI itself is going to need a lot of monitoring, especially in its initial stages. Like the roles that I Feel would be created would be related to managing and maintaining AI systems, developing AI-driven security strategies, and evaluating AI-generated insights. And this means that huge volumes of data are going to be rapidly analyzed. And this has such a great implication in cybersecurity because it's going to reveal patterns and it's going to reveal anomalies using anomaly detection algorithms that human analysis might never be able to catch. And one aspect to consider in this is that fraud, intrusion, potential security breaches, and unauthorized access will be detected much earlier than ever before. And this is going to be really useful in detecting attacks like uh, distributed denial of service and brute force attacks. And one area that I particularly find fascinating is the role that AI will play in open source intelligence and digital forensics, because a large part of that involves data collection through social media intelligence, and then organization of the data, and then image analysis that's usually conducted by humans or automated with very simple tools. I'm interested in seeing how image analysis models, sentiment analysis, entity recognition, and pattern recognition AI models accelerate recent operations. And another thing I feel like is that offensive security will be really advantaged with the growth of AI, especially because of the new malicious tools that are surfacing on the dark web or as I like to call them, the evil twins of ChatGPT, the unethical gender, generative AI bots that I know of, though I don't have detailed knowledge of them, are WormGPT. That's the AI version of Frank from Catch Me If You Can. Its uh, speciality out of its many abilities is that it can draft hyper-realistic phishing emails and business email compromises. And then there's FraudGPT that generates all kinds of undetectable malware and phishing websites. These are going to, of course, help cyber criminals. But to look on the brighter side, it, it's going to help offensive security professionals simulate various cyber attacks and then reverse engineer them. And of course, there's, there's a positive and a negative to everything. And as for the overall outcome, I believe only time can tell because there, there are being such great advancements in AI every single day that you can't possibly predict, predict the outcome. 
What kind of impact do you think this is going to have on cybersecurity, like existing cybersecurity teams? And is there going to have to be a lot of training and, you know, education around AI? Yeah, existing existing professionals, existing cybersecurity professionals are going to have to be a little more educated on AI too. They're going to have to be trained in AI in order to leverage the AI positively on the good side of things. Because, because black hats are they're getting faster by the second they know about all these malicious tools and worm gpt and all all these all this stuff so we need to level the playing field we need cybersecurity professionals to also leverage ai and i guess as well with uh, what's available like you said on the dark web in terms of phishing as a service and malware as a service you, you don't have to be i'm not going to say as proficient but there are services out there that can you know if you wanted to do something malicious in terms of security those services are available to you. So AI in that sense could be incredibly helpful, like you say, in terms of, you know, threat detection, analysis, response, it'd be far quicker. Do you think there are particular industries that will benefit uh, more than others with AI? Yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like open source intelligence, like I said, because data collection is going to be much easier because because the AI is going to analyze social media accounts. It's going to find social media accounts much faster and much more efficiently than any human could. And open source intelligence is such such a good field because uh, because I've come across I've come across cases where where missing people have been located using open source intelligence, where murder cases have been solved. I've come across really big things that have that have been done using digital forensics. And if AI is able to uh, able to affect that positively then it's really going to be great are you ever worried that it's going to get away from us a little bit though because although generative ai you know chat gpt and so on has been in the making for what seven eight years um it, it kind of came into everybody's vision and then suddenly it just took off and then there were safety concerns ironically from the people that you know um were there at the start but do you think there is a a um, a chance that AI might get away from us a little and cause its own kind of security problems if we can't keep up with it. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, not. Not very soon, actually. Not very soon. Not in. Not in the next ten years. I don't believe that. So we should just carry on, not take a pause. And okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. So let's then talk about uh, because there was something that we when we first um, had a conversation. One of the things that you wanted to talk about was the potential impacts on employment, entry level positions. And, you know, we, we started talking that at the beginning of the podcast. But you, as you've said to me before, AI could also potentially have quite serious and negative consequences um, in terms of diversity as well. So. Yeah, talk me through, because this, like I say, this is something that we talked about previously, but um, just talk a little bit about that. And again, possibly any kind of actionable points or yeah, anything that could be done about that. Okay, so the rise of AI is going to significantly impact both professionals and the general population alike. As generative AI is going to evolve, it will disrupt traditional job roles and it's going to create new opportunities too, but it's going to fundamentally transform the way that we work and live. So imagine a world where the barriers to cybercrime are like totally dismantled. And this is actually going to happen because with the rise of malicious AI, like I mentioned, worm GPT and fraud GPT, we're going to witness a pretty disturbing shift in the ratio of 
threat actors to security professionals because security professionals are not going to want to enter this field because it's going to be so tough because AI, because um, unethical hackers are going to leverage AI a lot more than security professionals. Because even right now, AI isn't as developed in the security landscape as it is in the unethical side of things. So it's it's not just going to be tech-savvy criminals causing chaos. It's your next door neighbor, your coworker, anyone with an internet connection and a grudge. So open source tools have made the creation of malware and cyber attacks just as easy as following a recipe. And that recipe is really, really spreading like wildfire. But then the scary part is that the promise of quick and significant profits through these things is going to turn ordinary folks into cyber adversary without any great fear of legalities. Because right now we're in such a transition phase that even the jurisdictions aren't properly decided for AI powered cyber crimes. So during this transition phase, there aren't many AI powered security tools, like I said, and the population of threat actors is going to significantly rise against very few security professionals. And this is just the beginning of it. We're experiencing a huge revolution in tech and it's all about automation, efficiency, and a lot of change, but like, but like it's obvious change isn't always smooth sailing routine tasks that often define entire roles in cybersecurity professionals are we're going to disappear into the realm of algorithms and AI. And of course, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but it frees up the uh, security professionals for more strategic work. It also raises concerns about the future of cybersecurity jobs and job security. So I, I just wonder sometimes what happens when the jobs that were once at a front line in cybersecurity get automated. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's impossible to sugarcoat it. There's a darker side to the advancements in AI, and it's a world where threats are so much easier to create, where cybercrime is a profitable venture, and where the very nature of cybersecurity jobs is gonna shift beneath our feet. But I, I really wanna end this on a positive note, because once we level the playing field, once security pro professionals level the playing field, and the integration of AI in security roles has been streamlined, the digital world is going to be a much safer place for everyone. Do you think? Do you not think it's like a, a case of cat and mouse, though? So you know, just as cybersecurity professionals and the profession itself uh, makes advancements in sophistication and and so on. Like you say, it's agile; it's always evolving. Then the the hackers themselves become more sophisticated, and so it's just a continuous cycle of you know playing catch up. Would you agree with that? I would agree, but after a point, it has to get streamlined, right? And, and in terms of the future of this industry, do you see it becoming more about tools and technology or is it still going to be kind of human centric, people centered? I feel like it's going to be people centered, of course, because AI is going to take care of the tools. AI is going to manage all the tools and stuff, because right now, if I if I ask ChatGPT to write a code for me, it will write a code for me. But it's going to be a buggy code, of course. But let's say five, 10 years from now, ChatGPT is going to get more advanced, AI is going to get more advanced. So the tools will be taken care of by the AI itself. And these jobs will rely much more on strategy and innovation. This is a big question that I'm going to ask you now, but I'm going to ask it. What do you think is that, so, you know, we've, we've talked about AI, we've talked about bringing young people into this industry. What do you think is the future now for cybersecurity? Where are we heading? Right now, I feel like, if we start if we start getting young minds into cybersecurity, we're really heading to a better place. 
because young minds like like the title of this podcast they provide a fresh perspective they they have stronger mindsets and they provide and then they provide new ideas so they're, they're currently heading for a nice place that's good that's good to hear i like to end on something positive thank you so much for joining me um Oh, no problem at all. I know there are lots and lots of things that you would, would like to talk about. And I think at some point it would be great to revisit um, and, and talk about other things that I know that you have a real passion about in security as well. And, and thank you for leading the way and getting young people interested in this profession. And um, I just wish you the absolute best of luck in everything you do. Thank you so much.